This podcast series is sponsored by Havwitz, the prevailing name in beautiful wood flooring design. Gracing the surfaces of hotels, workspaces, private residences and more, Havwitz offers stunning wood flooring and cladding options in all conceivable colours and designs. Visit our showrooms today or contact us for more detail at havwoods.com forward slash UK. Hello and welcome to the interior design business. My name is Susie Rumbold. I'm a past president of the British Institute of Interior Design and I'm creative director of Tesuto Interiors. And today we're taking a very close look at a subject dear to my heart, the role of women in property and construction. When UK employment for women is broken down by sector, construction comes last in the table. Only 14.7% of those employed in the industry are women. This is 32.9 percentage points lower than the national average for working people. And at a time of industry-wide skill shortages, this represents a calamitous wasted opportunity, both for construction and for women. So, what are the factors that play that keep women out of the sector? What can be done to correct this position? And what benefits will women bring to the construction once they do join their male colleagues as full participants? Welcome to the Interior Design business. So today we're joined by Karen House, founder and CEO of luxury interior design practice Taylor House, and Agnita Benjamin, senior quantity surveyor at Verve Concepts, to explore the reasons behind the disparity and look at ways to encourage more women into the construction sector. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. So before we kick off, could I just get a little bit of background from you both about the companies that you run and work in and the types of projects that you do and how long you've been doing it? Karen, do you want to kick us off? Yep, so I am CEO of Taylor House Designs and Studio House and House and Landino. I've been working in the industry for over 30 years. In fact, we started, we had an office here at Chelsea Harbour, more years than I care to mention. And uh, I started mainly working for property developers. Uh, but then the private clients came along and the budgets got bigger and better. I currently run a team with Jane Landino, my creative head of studio of 27, of which four are men and the rest are women. And I've seen a lot of changes over those years, both in dealing with developers, construction and the end users. And Agnesha, what about you? Yeah, so I started um, quantity surveying straight out of uni. Um, yeah, more years than I'd like to say. Um, but uh, my first company that I worked for was um, on the Olympic site, so that was a brilliant experience. Um, it was uh, converting the athlete studios into residential flats, and that was probably the first time um, I got a real experience of how the construction industry actually works. I remember being on site with 40 men and me being the only woman in an office. So it was intimidating, but I was lucky that everyone took me on board and, you know, a really kind of nurtured me and my experience. Um, I now work for Verve Concepts many years later. Um, we're a luxury um, main contractor that work with high net worth clients. And we basically do turnkey approaches. We work a lot with Taylor House. Karen is amazing and her team are amazing. We do a lot of fantastic projects with them. And we are fortunate in our office. We have about 40 staff and I think about a third are women. So. I mean, that's quite unheard you're, of, really. You're bucking the yeah, current trend. Yeah, but, you know, you know, we obviously have a valued place in the workforce and it's really showing, so. 
Good, yeah. good, good. So historically, why haven't careers as construction professionals appealed to women? I think people kind of don't go against gender norms. You know, you're, a woman is supposed to, you know, be a housewife or she's supposed to love to knit or she's supposed to <laughs> you know, love to cook and all that kind of stuff. And a man is supposed to be very manly and supposed to love to do DIY and you know, all that kind of stuff. So when you kind of hear the roles flip and you hear maybe a man wants to be a nurse or a nanny and a, or a woman wants to be in construction, it's a bit like, oh, so I think it is, you know, it is a societal norm for women not to be in that industry. And we have to change that norm as we are doing so to get to where yeah, we need to be. Talking about it tonight helps. Karen, do you think, was it just a matter of, of appeal or, or are there kind of practical reasons why women couldn't work in the construction and property sectors? I think people presume that people who work in the construction industry, you've got to be able to carry a hod on your back and the bricks and all of that. And that's like, oh, women can't do that. But actually, there's so many different roles that are required. We go on to building sites, uh, particularly when we're installing, and there will be one or two women there, generally health and safety. They're definitely not, you know, the people putting the plugs on and finishing the plumbing. Uh, putting the joinery together and I, re I really think that just needs to change. Where it changes and how it changes is a good discussion point. You know, does it start literally from the home? Does it start at university? Does it start, you know, we need to change these perceptions just as, you know, the reverse for interior design. You know, we're a much higher percentage women to men. Is that because, you know, we're looked at as the girls who do the, you know, carpets and curtains? Uh, as opposed to the incredible technical skills that we all mm, have to have designers in our roles. So you just mentioned then you think that perhaps these, these problems arise much earlier than the point at which people leave school and start a university course. Yeah, I mean, wanna... I mean, you know, I left school at 17 with very few qualifications. Um, I'm a proud northern girl who grew up in a pub and I had a good work ethic. But I remember going to my careers teacher and saying, well, what can I do? And she said, well, you could become an air hostess. I mean, it was like, really? <laughs> and then my one skill I had, we were talking about today, was I learned to type. So I obviously became a secretary. Well, that wasn't quite enough for me. So I, you know, pushed the boundaries a bit. And, and I just happened to be lucky to fall into a career where it was easier. I mean, interior design, you know, 100 years ago was dominated by men. It wasn't so women. True. It's, it's changed. Do you think then, perhaps, Agnita, that it's more, you mentioned gender norms. Yeah. You know, is this something that actually starts almost in infancy? I think so. And I think you generally follow a role model, right? So if, if your role model is not um, in construction, then why is there a need for you to even be in construction? You might not even know about construction. And I think I can, it, it's fair to say that most women that are in construction, unfortunately, have probably fallen into it by accident, not not actually knowing that was the path that they were going to go into. Right. It just kind of felt, you know, they fell into that path. So, you know, and, and, you know, that's my case, and I'm sure, you know, my, my colleagues from Verve, it would be the same, really. Yeah. And they just grew to love it and actually realise it's actually a really beneficial thing and a, an amazing thing to be part of. So. And you mentioned that you were in your early career, you, you was you and forty blokes on on a building site. Obviously, all professional um, construction people spend a proportion of their lives on on building sites. What issues have women traditionally faced in these environments that made them so unappealing? Walking through a building site <laughs> back in the day, I mean, the comments that you got, frankly, would be hard to repeat right now. You know, there was no accommodation for women at all in terms of facilities. Yeah. 
I don't think, by the way, there should be male-female gender lose anyway. I hate that. Um, but, you know, really, it, it, we just were an alien being that has suddenly arrived and been plopped in a building site. Well, you, like, you, you, couldn't guys, even, really? you couldn't even buy sight boots in a small, no. in a size smaller than a six. Yeah. You know, I spent years climbing oh, up yes, and down scaffolding with my feet sloshing around in boots that were one size wow. too big for me. Crazy. Yeah, like we're an afterthought. Which yeah, is absolutely. Yeah. Completely, completely. Anything else you think that, that perhaps was putting people off that exposure to the building site world, apart from the, the kind of the men? <laughs> <laughs> not to put a fight, not to put too fight a point on it. <laughs> I think it feeds into what Karen was saying earlier on. You just have this perception of, you know, you're lugging things up the stairs. It's dusty and dirty and really labour intensive. And it is sometimes, but you know, it's not. That's not what the job is. So, so has this improved in recent years? What do you think? Yeah, Are sites yeah. better places than they used to be? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I, th I think from you know a recent site that we were on. You know, you see a lot more women on site. There's a lot more respect, actually, from the guys on site. Um, I think we're not so alien to them. It is the whole understanding of really don't limit yourself. You know, everybody can do everything. Just because you have a certain gender, it doesn't put you in a box and don't ever be constrained by that. And I, and I think if, if people see that you are able to do the same job they can. They respect you for what your skills and talents are and it shouldn't matter whether you step into a male loo or a female loo, frankly. It's often said that women have to work twice as hard for twice as long to gain half the recognition. Agneta, how hard have you had to work to get to where you are? Yeah, absolutely. I think you definitely have to work twice as hard. I think one of the, one of the big hurdles I faced when I first started surveying was um, getting questioned a lot and you know making sure that you, that, kind of men questioning whether you knew what you were talking about and you know surveying sometimes can be really technical you need to know like I don't know boring stuff like floor build-ups and wall build-ups and you know they'd question if you knew stuff and you know sometimes you kind of second guess yourself and think are you actually doing enough and it's only now probably after being in the industry for so many years you're more confident and you're more assertive and you're more sure in yourself to know actually no I'm, I'm saying the correct thing please don't but that must have been positively insulting it, yeah, you? yeah, subtly, yeah, very subtly insulting, I think. Um, and at the beginning, you, you feel like you don't have the authority to say anything, but then obviously the more you grow and the more you kind of develop in the industry, the more you can put your foot down and, yeah, and tell I, and them I, how it is. And I think when you, you know, I used to go to, uh, we worked for a, a very big property developing company, who shall remain nameless, and I used to be the only woman allowed into a meeting room on a Thursday to present our designs that week. It would be full of men, and they would sit me opposite the owner of the business because they said, oh, well, when, it, when he blows a gasket, we'll stick the blonde in front of him. And it was like, Re really, guys, are you sure? And this, and this did happen, and I could see when he was about to go, and it would generally be because one of the guys was late, and it would push a button and and they just weren't prepared to you know they just thought well we'll we'll put Karen in front of her you know often we'd be appointed because oh you, you know you just get the pretty girls to come along and do that I mean it's unbelievably patronizing mm. yeah. no it's awful yeah. um I, I mean if we look at unpick the figures and look at construction industry professionals the current UK stats for women are, are really quite illuminating so we've got 16 and a half percent of engineers in the UK at the moment are, are uh, female, 20% um, are project managers, only 10% for quantity surveyors, 
35% of STEM students are now women, but this figure just drops back down to 16% for engineering. And this figure hasn't improved in the last 10 years. So clearly, even though women are taking on more STEM subjects at university level and beyond, there's a block somewhere. Well, I think there's a retention issue. And I think employers need to change their stance on women in the workplace, having a family, being able to come back to work. And until those employers make that easy and possible, you're going to have some people qualifying, but then how do you retain them? I mean, we have a huge retention um, figure at Taylor House because we understand what is required for you know, a woman to work in the workplace and juggle family and home and work and an understanding of that. And I think some of the practices where they're run predominantly by men don't understand that and, and don't make any accommodations. They don't accommodate. No. Do you think building is fundamentally boring? Is that why women don't like it? <laughs> I don't think it's boring. No, no. I, I, don't think, think, I don't either. I'm I, just think, I think taking something, whether it's a refurbishment or whether it's a new build, and seeing it come out of the ground is, is incredibly yeah. satisfying. And there's nothing more joyful than a really good messy, well, not messy, but a really good building site. Yeah. A good construction site is a thing of joy and wonder, but I it think. It is. But again, I always remember that the guys that go, oh, I don't think I'd put that wallpaper up. Ooh, not <laughs> sure about that. <laughs> oh, really, has she really gone too far this time? And you go, uh, excuse me, just trust me. And they do it, and they, at the end they go, oh, it's not bad, is it, really? <laughs> it's worse when they say it in front of the client. Oh, yeah. They start second-guessing your choice. Oh, I wouldn't have put that oh, colour we'll there. Oh, do that, then. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think school-age girls are still being disadvantaged by the education system? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think beyond construction, there's so many professions that, that girls just haven't tapped into because they haven't been told about it. And even, even me as a construction professional, there are probably low, thousands of, of roles in the construction industry that I, that I don't know about myself. Um, and it would be interesting for that to be brought into school so that kids can actually develop with them and, and, and see a career path that they might, might never have thought about. So, you know, I mean, I'd love to, um, and I have kids in, in secondary school and I've gone to their schools and, and talked about surveying just for them to get an idea of this is a profession that you could possibly take because I never had that. So, you know, I, I think it's good to kind of pass that down to the, to the younger generation so that they have the, um, you know, the chance to do so. But often I think young women going into firms of engineers and, and, and project management companies and things become the poster girls yeah. because everyone's so desperate to prove their, um, their, in, their inclusive credentials that, you know, actually there's a lot of opportunity out there for young women that they're not taking up or Absolutely, seeing yeah. until the situation eventually revises. I mean, up when I finished my degree, um, I was really fortunate that there was a, a, a company called Women in Construction and they, they proactively went to universities and got women to get into construction. And that was one of the main features of me getting onto the Olympic site. And um, the, the founder was, her name's Kath Moore, and she was brilliant. And she got people into roles like engineering and surveying, which was unheard of at the time. And, you know, but she was getting, opening doors that weren't open for women beforehand, so. We've talked a bit about the changing face of building sites. Have has the office working environment for women in construction changed as well? You know, when you're actually in your office? Yeah, yeah? definitely. I think um, all the points Karen touched on about flexibility of work, and if you have kids working from home. I mean, I think employers are, are really listening to it now and, 
And but also credibility. Did you ever find, were you ever in a situation where you were working in a practice and perhaps you had male colleagues that were taken more seriously than you were? I think not so much in the office. I think definitely on site. It's always been a, a site-based problem. I think on, in the office, you're, you're more respected. You probably get it sometimes, but not as frequent as when you're on site. As Karen was just saying, the outlier in all of this is interior design. So I'll just bat you with some more statistics. So in the US, where all interior designers have to be registered, 79% of women and 21% of men. We don't have comparable statistics in the UK because unfortunately all designers get dumped into one bucket. So, you know, nobody knows whether they're product designers or graphic designers or whatever else they're doing. Um, but the BIID recently did some research and revealed that 83% of interior design students are women. I'm sure that doesn't come as a surprise to anyone in this room. So the UK split is probably very similar to the US. So of all the built environment careers, what is it about interior design that makes it so appealing to women? Karen. We were always brought in at the end, as I say, to put some cushions and curtains in place. We were not brought in alongside architects and you as have I've championed over the years that actually we are a profession that work alongside architects. And I think we weren't taken seriously as having technical voice and skills. Now, sometimes actually clients uh, appoint the interior designer before the architect and actually start from the interior design perspective of building the team and getting the right team on board uh, right from the outset. So. I would have thought, in view of that, that we should be attracting more men to our industry. Um, again, it probably goes back to the schools. I mean, who hears somebody, a man, go into a school and talk about his day as an interior designer? I suspect that never happens. No, I'm, I guess you're right. I'm sure. I'm sure it's true. Because actually, if, if somebody, if a male interior designer did go into a school and those pupils then realised how technical and complex a profession it is, there would be more, more boys actually sort of going, actually, you know, that seems like quite a good idea, particularly if those of them that have a more creative bent. Yeah, and I, th I think, you know, particularly people who might be put off doing architecture because they're like, seven years and I, you know, I can't- And I have to study physics. And I have to mm. study physics and I'm not very strong in maths. And, you know, I think, I think you'd attract a much wider and varied the industry would be better for it if, as you say, at school, they really understood what that set of skills is and that, you know, you don't have to shy away from being really good at art because you happen to be a guy. It works both ways. Yeah, no, it does. And I think the interior design is a, is a uniquely left brain, right brain profession that you have to actually be very technical, but you also have to be yeah. creative as well. It's like a happy medium, isn't it? It's a sweet spot. Yeah. So we've talked about some of the problems that various professional women suffer in the construction industry. Do you think interior designers have their own unique set of problems or is they, <laughs> are they just the same problems as everybody else? I think there's some of the same problems. I mean, only recently, uh, Jane reminded me of this, uh, I had a, a big birthday, I, I won't tell you what, actually it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit like watching um, on the sofa with Graham Norton when you go, how old is Julia Roberts? And you put it in your phone. Um, and still they'll go, you know, really? I mean, considering, I mean, she's done okay, hasn't she? I'm like, Really considering what, because I'm a woman? You know, the fact that I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a businesswoman, I started from scratch with nothing. The fact that we work on hugely technical skills, the fact that we are very open about everything, there still is some surprise and resistance to that, which, you know, I'm the mother of two very 
feisty young women, um, I'm pleased to say, who, you know, it's, it's changing. But is it too slow? Yes. I mean, I've seen big change in my career. But, but to begin with, the things that, you know, I was asked to do and sent off to do, you wouldn't have dreamt of asking a man to do. No. As part of a professional design team, Karen, something you touched on earlier, there is often only one woman at the table. For both of you, I'd love to hear your experiences on this. Is that this is a this is this is the opportunity to dish the dirt? Has this always been a positive experience? I think women in construction appreciate that that we're few and far between, um, and I I do know in other industries you probably feel a bit of kind of competition, but I, I do feel like we kind of come together and you know, help each other in the but time. But if you're the only woman at the table? If we're the only woman at the table. Mm, if you're the only woman at the table, has that always been a positive experience? Tell me about some of the things that have happened to you in those big design team meetings. So, yeah, not always a positive experience. Um, like, touching on what I said before, you do feel like sometimes you're getting second guess. I guess exactly what Karen said too, where they question, yep. question your decisions, uh, they question your process. And sometimes you do get kind of led down the track and you think, oh my God, like... Yeah, you start to yeah, question yourself. you question yourself mm. and it takes, it takes a strong person to be like, actually, no, what I'm saying is, is right and I'm saying it for a reason. Listen to me, <laughs> basically. So, yeah, you have to be assertive. I think, you know, it's that age-old saying, if you, if, um, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. Um, and you do have to be assertive, keep your chest up high and just kind of get your points across and then eventually, you know, people do start to listen. That's the tricky balance. If you're too assertive then, oh, my God, it's that pushy You're woman. You're a bully broad. Yeah. You know, really? Can you do that? Whereas, whereas the guy sits in the room never, never has to think about that. No. Just, just doesn't. And women are constantly looking for that fine balance that, frankly, sometimes is exhausting. My, my personal favourite is when I come up with a good idea, everyone ignores it, and then three doors down, the guy sitting three places along from me says exactly what I've just said. Yeah. And my response is usually, I'm sorry, is there an echo in here? <laughs> <laughs> How can we convince teenage girls that the built environment would be a good, cool place to build a career? Well, I think we've got amazing role models. And I look at some of my team, a lot of whom are here, who are also the same. Uh, I think it is making sure that we do get out to the schools and the universities and get people young. And, and as well, you know, that, that families discuss that. You know, my, my girls, came, you know, used to come with me when I was working, they've actually chosen completely different careers. I remember meeting some women who were working at high level in construction and property development companies. And the reason we're there was because they had a father who would take them to work, who would introduce it to them. Um, did they have to be the absolute ball breakers to survive and do it back in the day? Yes, yes, they were. I mean, they, they could be some of the toughest people you you would meet. Did they want to do that? No, I'm, if you ask them, no, I, d I don't think they would have been. But it, it really has to start from a really early age to really embed in that, um, you know, the whole thing that we don't have to be stereotyped into little boxes. It's really D important. Difficult cycle to break though. Yeah. 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 Seriously hard. Change the norm, definitely. Yeah. yeah, no, no, it's true, too true. We've talked a lot about professional women on sites. If we actually look at the, the girls on the tools, women who work as contractors or subcontractors, the figures are, ter are terrible. 3% of electricians in the UK, 1% of plumbers, 1% of joiners in the UK are women. Um, and these figures, again, have shown little change for a decade. 
what do we what do you think is stopping girls from considering these very lucrative and in-demand careers and I suppose we've kind of covered it but is there anything yeah. else that you can think of it's just not knowing I mean in my, in my whole career I think I've only ever met one female site manager and even then I was like astounded I was you know how did you get into it like do you enjoy it and she again fell into it so yeah and, and you're rightly like what you said that they are lucrative they're you know highly in demand we're always looking for those trades and I think it, it's a shame that you know, women aren't don't see it as a as a substantial career because it they, could be brilliant. Be brilliant yeah, it. yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes if you lend your hand to a skill that you, you never knew, you, you you excel in it. So, you know. And and you know, perhaps if it was, you know, there were incentives from construction companies and developers that they have to meet a certain quota. Yeah. Then again, that would change things. That would help. You know, the really big companies, you know, have to put money back into apprenticeship schemes that again have an equal blend and mix. Yes, yes, because I don't know, I, I wasn't able to find any information about the balance across the sexes in intake into apprenticeship yeah. schemes, but that would be some really interesting information, yeah. I'm sure, if we could get hold of it. Um, unfortunately, though, boys are also not considering these career options. Why do you think boys are not going onto the tools? I think it's all the other professions that they see, see you know, online, you see all these influencers yeah. sitting in a nice chair and, <laughs> talking like us and making yeah, exactly. massive amounts of money. money but you know uh, you know why would you why would you you know slave away on the site and getting dirty all day when you could make triple the amount doing tech or finance or like I said influencing on on you know although on... not everyone's going to be able to do that no but I think that's just the, the route that people take now is I get maybe it's the easy the easy way out but it's the way that you know it's sold to them in the in a nice package and that's the route that they'll take and i also think schools um, encourage that too right there's never a a talk about construction it's always about you know do your maths your science your english so you could go into university and progress with your career it's never about you know doing um you know things like a vocational courses so you could do an apprenticeship so you could get into construction and that's a whole other route and i know they're doing things like t levels now which do help vocational qualifications and stuff, vocational careers. But again, how many how many girls are being pushed into that direction? Probably not many. All, so. all boys. Yeah, yeah all yeah, boys. All exactly. boys. So is it is it is it because the path into a degree is overstressed? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It's like one shoe fits all when it's not the case. I think not not every child needs to go down that traditional route. Oh. You know, some need to well, see it, an alternative. Interestingly, too, these are likely to be the jobs that are immune to AI. Lots of students now, as they're approaching their degrees, are kind of going, is my job still going to be there by the time I qualify? So you would think that parents would be pushing kids into those really good, practical, money-earning, solid skills, but they don't seem to be. Yeah. But then do they know as well? It's that Maybe it's a cycle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not aware of they the opportunities either. Yeah. Let's leave where we are now and move on, hopefully, into the future. 31% of registered UK architects are women, although the number of women starting architectural degrees, starting their part ones, is now 51.7%. So the balance, I think, probably will begin to correct over time, at least in architecture. But will it? Karen, do you think... Well, I think it can. You know, I think, as we touched on, if architectural practice understand the demands of, as an architect, you qualify, you know, you want to have a family, you want to, but still have a career, what does that look like? And, you know, the good thing is COVID taught us all a lot. You know, we still, as a studio, you know, at a certain level, you can still work from home on certain days. 
you can have flexibility. You know, I always say to my team, you know, you don't ever miss a, a sports day or a parents' evening or any of that for work. And I think that understanding and that flexibility. And, and the great thing is also we're seeing uh, lots of men wanting to be house husbands. I mean, it doesn't just sit with women anymore to do that. So the more that changes, then I don't see why you can't keep those percentages up. Because, you know, what is sad is if you go through that whole skill and, and training and have that and then and then you have to put it to one side for so long that that then it's not relevant you've got to retrain i think that's a very sad waste of resources really but then if employers are not encouraging the men that they employ to take those parental responsibilities equally as seriously as the girls you know the boys are always going to be there 45 hours a week and the women will still be doing 35 and who gets promoted first it's a it's a really tricky circle to square that one. Do you think that we'll see, given that there is does seem to be a positive shift in architecture, do you think that we'll begin to see a, the same sort of positive shift in other construction professions? I mean, 10% of your profession are, are, yeah, bit, I'm are, quite are women. About that. I was yeah. really quite shocked too. You know, thinking about that, and I do know quite a few female QSs. Maybe you know all of them. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was actually completely shocked that it was only 10%. I would have thought maybe about 30%. So yeah, it's sad to think that it's it's not as a, you know, there's not that many women in the in the industry. But I, I do always get the same comment is when people do see QSs on site. I mean, for instance, myself and uh, our commercial administrator, Rita, we went onto a site the other day. And the first thing the client QS said, and he was a man, he was like, Verb just have loads of women in the office. Like I've never seen such a, a team that has so many women. And he was saying it out of surprise, but at the same time, it was lovely that that was the comment that he was making. It, it just showed that we, you know, we're capable of our job, we're doing a good job, and you know, we're here to stay. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Do you think that modern methods of construction will have an impact on building sites and women's ability to work on building sites? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. How? Yeah. Well, I mean, for example, we are designing a another floor on a building at the moment, a penthouse floor, that is all being made in pop format. Yep. So it's going to be craned on. Off, off site in a factory. Off site in a, a nice, factory. clean, warm environment. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, as you see more of that come on in, in modern house building techniques, that's definitely, definitely going to have an impact. There's no reason why that shouldn't be more of that. Um, I, I think as well, it's all about communication, isn't it? But it's slow and it's frustratingly slow. But if you've got more women, you've got a you've got a, a you know site foreman who is a woman who is going to bring in more women to work on that site, that everybody sees that it's a more balanced way of working, that encourages more people, that then starts to create a shift. But a shift takes time to happen. Yeah. But obviously we're seeing it, you know, Verve of um, not 50-50 yet, but will be soon, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and making sure that we see the women go right to the top. Yes, not, yes. Not just stop at a certain no. level. No, so there is you still know, a glass ceiling. Yeah, because that is then when big change happens. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yes, I suppose it's, it's, it's you're up there and you can give someone a hand up. Is the way is the way it will work. Yeah, come up, come up. Um, the view's great from up here. The view yeah. is great from up here, actually. Um, <laughs> Do you have, either of you, have any tips for women participating in design team meetings? Be confident. Yeah. There's no such thing as a wrong answer. You do only learn by your mistakes anyway. You don't learn by your successes really, as much. Yeah. And it's the same with public speaking and sitting on panels. It's kind of some of it's 
practice and the more you do, the more confident you get about it. Just own, own that space and don't, and really if anybody puts you down in front of that, that is not kindness. You know, that is not what it's about. That certainly doesn't happen in, in our studio. And as directors, we like to encourage the younger members of our team to, to start to do the presentations with us very much taking a back seat so that they get that experience, so they grow in confidence. Um, and, and the clients, they love hearing from the whole team. They don't just want a monologue from the person sitting at the head of the table. Any other tips for women in design team meetings? Yeah, I'd completely echo what Karen's saying. You just have to be assertive, uh, believe in yourself 100%. Um, like I said before, it's so easy to kind of get jaded by other people's comments and you just have to kind of push that back and just continue to say what you want to say and be assertive. And what about advice for women on building sites? Any particular tips for going onto sites? <laughs> advice, gosh. Um, it's not as scary as you think it is. Um, they're actually really good environments. Like a lot of the men on site are so, um, it's like a community. Everyone's so fun. It's very bantery. Like it becomes a family when you have a project because you're there from the very beginning. It, it becomes your baby and you see it grow into the final product. The client comes and sees their house or whatever it is and you're happy together as a team. So yeah, it's not as, it's not as scary as you think it is. Everyone should give it a chance. And I just wish, yeah, schools and university just push it more so that women do come into it and 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 and, and boys as well and i think when i'm on a building site you know we're all human beings so i always eye to eye contact if i'm passing somebody on the stairs i'll say thank you because i think sometimes there's that oh god the designers are coming kind of attitude and, and it's when you're if you're kind and if you treat people how you want to be treated yourself, then you get courteous responses back. And even if they aren't always giving you eye contact, you know, I will always say something appreciative or how's it going today and what's going on. And, and again, if, once you get that communication going, you realize that you're all the same, then, then that breaks down a lot of the, the barriers. I mean, the days of builders whooping and comments and wolf whistles, I have to say, thank goodness are. Long gone. Yeah. Yes, thank goodness. What do you think would be the main benefits of increased female participation in the UK construction industry? I mean, women just have a completely different take to men. Yeah, um, so explore that a little. So what would we bring? What do we bring to the table? I think, you know, a different approach. I think, you know, sometimes women could, the way, the way we navigate stuff is so different and the end result might be, you know, we'll get to a result much better in a much more timely manner than a man. I wouldn't say our, you know, our organisational schools are different, but, you know, uh, they are. They are different. They are. <laughs> they are. We're used to multitasking. Yeah, exactly. And we bring less ego into the mix. You I know, we're so. there to get a job done. Yeah. We're not there to kind of have any nonsense one-upmanship with yeah, well, we're the not, other bloke. We're not threatened by the other people on the team. Yeah. So we like to work as a as a team, yeah. uh, rather than thinking, oh, what's so-and-so going to think, and so-and-so's going to think, and, oh, my boss is here, am I going to get promoted? I mean, it's just, just not the way we think about things. It's, it, as you say, it's what is best for the project rather than what is best for me. Yeah, fantastic. So, Karen, who was the most brilliant, impressive, inspirational woman you ever encountered um, in the industry, not including yourself? Well, I was going to say, or, or I, can't mention, I can't mention my team. <laughs> no, actually, I always remember, and I do relate this often, is um, 
I once heard the uh, divine Mary Fox Linton speak oh, a long time her. ago. And, you know, she was ahead of yeah, her so game. Ahead. Um, and she was giving a talk and she said, um, you know, at the end of the day, just remember who is paying the bill. <laughs> and, and that always stuck with me, you know, when I was thinking about designing with clients money and how we were going to do things and how we were going to engineer things. And that still very much sits with me. But, but also it's, it's just, yeah, always being approachable. You know, we are, as it goes back to, we're all human beings just trying to do the best we can. And if you look out for the person you're working next to, then, then you end up benefiting from it. And Agnesia, did you have someone that was very inspiring to you? Yeah, it's actually, you know, uh, an old friend. Um, she went to school with my sister and she actually started off in surveying before me. Um, and I had gone to university before and I did a politics degree first, actually. And I came out and I just couldn't find a job. And she said, why don't you do surveying? And I was like, what's that? And she, she said, you know, she showed me little bits and pieces. Um, and yeah, she's just done amazingly. She's a commercial director in Saudi Arabia now, working oh, on the wow. line. So yeah, I could, I, if wow. I could follow her path, I would. She's just like, she's so decorated. Her, her CV's amazing. She's worked for some amazing companies. And it just kind of gives you hope that, you know, she can do it, someone that I know can do it. And why not me? And then I can be, you know, the same inspiration for the person behind me. Her name's Georgina Boyd. She'll kill me for no. mentioning her. She should feel proud. Yeah, oh, no, she's that's amazing. Good. Yeah. And then, what is the funniest, most outrageous thing that has ever happened to you on a building site? On construction sites, you get a lot of pranks. I think um, one of the funny ones I can remember was I came to site and I was trying to type, and my keypad just wasn't working, and I just thought, okay. I'll sort it out later. And then I took my notepad and it wouldn't move. And I was like, what's going on? And basically they had, they had put wood glue over everything on my desk and nothing moved. And I was like, prank of the day. So that was fun. It was, it was, it was stressful, but it was funny at the time. But yeah, and I just, I, of course I felt part of the team. I felt like it was nice that they didn't kind of not do it to me because I was the only woman. They, they were just like, you're one of us kind of thing. So yeah, it was funny. And Karen? Well, I was trying to think about that. It goes back to toilets. Sorry, bring it back to the base level. But I, it really bugs me, even at the theatre anywhere, that there'll always be a queue for the women's and not for the men's. So if there is, I'm afraid I go into the men's. So there have been occasions where I forget there are urinals in there and they might be being used. So it's like, don't mind uh, me. <laughs> yeah, so I do forget that bit and I must remind myself. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much to Karen Agneta, two of the most brilliant, impressive and inspirational women I have ever talked to. It's been an amazing and fascinating conversation. And we have a big round of applause from our audience, please. And thanks also to the Design Club for hosting us here today at the Design Centre in Chelsea. And a final thank you to you, our amazing audience. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do get in touch on our social channels at Interior Design Business Pod to share any feedback. The Interior Design Business is a Wildwood Plus production.